you think you know what we're going to talk about. And welcome back to Three Fates Decide. It just sounds more dramatic that way. All right, so this week we are going to be talking about... But just when you least expect it, we changed the game. One Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. I mean, we always celebrated Easter. Here's part of the Half-Blood Prince. So we're going to do another free talk, freestyle thing, no planned discussion. At the end of the day, only one thing matters. We decide. We're going to hit the main highlights. That is the thing that we were saying back in that episode. Quick recap. Three Fates Decide podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Three Fates Decide. My name is Liz, and I'm going to be your solo host for this episode. This time, I'm going to be discussing manga. So for those of you who happen to be already familiar with manga, I am going to apologize So for the benefit of people who may not be familiar with manga, I will include a very brief explanation of what manga is. And the rest of the episode, I'm going to be talking about my personal history with manga. This is a sort of follow-up episode to the anime episode that I have previously done. So what is manga? In Japan, the term is manga. In Korean, the term is manhwa. And in Chinese, the term is manhua. But regardless of which language and which country you're talking about, this term basically means comics. Outside of Japan, the term manga primarily refers to comics that originate from Japan. And to a lesser extent, it also includes comics that are drawn in that style. Although, of course, this is a little bit of a debate within manga fandoms as to whether Americans who draw in a similar style to manga should consider those works as manga because of the fact that outside of Japan, this term refers to comics from Japan. Although technically within Japan, the term really refers to pretty much any kind of comic, since that's what the term primarily means. But regardless of what your opinion is of what is or is not considered manga, it is a very popular media and has been extremely popular almost around the same time that anime became popular. And it's actually not too surprising because in a sense, manga and anime go hand in hand. Quite a few anime series are actually adaptations of manga series and occasionally you will come across situations where it's the other way around where a manga series was produced as almost a companion to an anime series. One very good example of this is actually Gundam. Gundam is a franchise that was basically a series of different anime shows as a vehicle to help sell toys. It's actually pretty similar to Transformers where you create some sort of media to get the attention of children who will want to buy these toys. So you create a series about said toys that will excite the kids and get them to buy them. In the case of Gundam, Gundam has expanded to more than just a vehicle to buy toys. 
And for quite a few of the different Gundam shows within the Gundam franchise, especially if it turns out that the particular series happens to be very popular with audiences, they do end up producing a manga version of the series. Now, it may not be a faithful adaptation, it may be just a shorter version, but you know, it's, it's basically a companion to the TV series. But that's actually quite uncommon in comparison to, as I said before, the other way around, where you have a manga series that is extremely popular, and then they decide to create an animated version. One very good example of this is, as I mentioned in the anime episode, Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z was a very popular comic book series, and it became so hugely popular that it was obviously considered a pretty good investment to create an animated version of that manga title. Another really good example, Inuyasha. Inuyasha was a very popular title that started in the 90s. Again, it became a super popular animated series. And of course, in more recent times, you have manga titles like Death Note, Naruto, and One Piece. So now that I got past the definition portion of the episode, I'm going to talk a bit more about my own personal history with manga. So again, relating back to the anime episode, I was a huge fan of Sailor Moon. I discovered Sailor Moon as an anime series. And once I finally got access to the internet, I immediately started doing some internet searching on Sailor Moon. And to my shock, I discovered two things about this TV series. Number one, I discovered it was actually based on a manga series. And the other thing I discovered was there was so much fan art and fan fiction out there. In fact, that was the thing that got me into becoming a fanfic writer for quite a few years in my teen to college years, which is because of my love of Sailor Moon. But anyway, I was shocked to discover that it was originally a manga series and that immediately made me very curious about wanting to read manga. And to my delight, I discovered because of the increased exposure to anime in the U.S., translations of manga titles that happened to be the source material for some of these anime series became available and I immediately started buying them and reading them voraciously. In fact, at that point in time in my teens, the only novels I was reading at that point was purely schoolwork related reading because I was so into manga at that point. And as I mentioned in the anime episode, for quite a few years after I graduated from college, I kind of ended up stepping away from anime to a certain extent because of my gradual lack of interest in it and the fact that like there wasn't a lot of new content being produced that was of interest to me at the time. However, my interest in manga actually did continue for quite a bit of time after I stopped watching a lot of the anime. And that was because some of the manga titles that I was simultaneously reading while I was watching anime, they were actually still being produced in Japan. And in some cases, they may have concluded in Japan, but they were still gradually being translated and released into the English market here in the US. So 
I was still invested in wanting to find out how some of these manga series I was reading, like how does the story end? Hence, I was still reading manga for a few years after I had mostly stopped watching anime. And I have to admit, in recent years, I don't read as much manga as I used to, but, you know, I still periodically read manga titles to this day because... To some extent, there is so much you can get out of manga that you surprisingly cannot always get in an anime series. And to an extent, you actually get more production, more content from manga than you can with anime because it's pretty obvious. Because very similar to, you know, Disney, Pixar, any, like, name any Western animation studio, any animation production company. It's not that different in Japan, the way anime is actually produced. It's very, it, it's fairly similar process. So it can really take months, if not years in some cases, to produce a new show or a new season of a show. Manga, on the other hand, manga is actually a little different. And to some extent, you can actually produce a lot more content in a manga at a faster schedule than you can with an animated series. So you must be thinking, well, if Japanese anime is not too different from the way Western animated shows and anime movies are produced, surely manga must be pretty similar to American comics. And the answer to that question actually is yes and no. Now, for those of you who happen to be fans of superhero comics, like, you know, the big two, DC and Marvel, you already know that there is, like, basically a team, a real team involved in producing every issue of Superman, Batman, the Avengers, X-Men, what have you. You will have an editor, but you have a writer, you have the pencil artist, you have an inker, you have a colorist. You may have other people involved in the comic book process, but basically it's not just one or two people working on each issue of those superhero comics. In a sense, actually manga, the way manga is produced, is pretty similar to how independent comics, indie comics, are actually produced. And I'm going to explain. Now, My knowledge of this stuff is actually based off of me going to anime conventions once upon a time. And I loved going to industry panels and I loved going to the specialty panels where they actually explain the process of creating a manga in Japan. And I'm about to explain why manga is actually pretty similar to indie comics in terms of the production. So... In Japan, actually, most manga are released as parts of anthologies. So very commonly in Japan, people, when they read manga, they actually get their manga through anthologies. So one example of these anthologies is actually a very famous one called Shonen Jump. So Shonen Jump actually is released in Japan weekly. And as of 2021, 1,390,000 issues of Shonen Jump got released. So basically within every issue of Shonen Jump, which I'm going to use as an example, and incidentally not every anthology is necessarily released weekly, but it does get released pretty frequently. 
So when you get your issue of Shonen Jump, you will get basically a magazine where you get multiple chapters of different manga titles that are being released by Shonen Jump. So by multiple chapters, I mean you're basically getting one chapter of of different series. So like, let's say, for example, they're currently releasing six different titles. So what it is, is that within each issue of Shonen Jump, you're getting six chapters total in each issue and each chapter is for each title. And so the benefit of this content release model is that as a reader, you're getting a pretty good sampling of six different titles simultaneously every week. And by doing that, you're almost testing out which title you really like to read. And this is important because eventually, once enough chapters of a title gets released and is read by the subscribers to Shonen Jump, they will eventually collect the individual chapters and then they will release what they call a tankoban. A tankoban is basically the collected chapters that are put together in a single volume. So depending on the length of the chapters and also depending on what kind of release model that the publisher is using, it's very common for a tankoban to have anywhere on average from four to six chapters per volume. Now, the term tankoban, it sometimes gets translated as a graphic novel, but that's not an actually accurate translation because the English term graphic novel is not necessarily the same thing as a tankoban, which, as I just said, a tankoban is a collection of individual chapters for a specific title, which, as an example, Dragon Ball Z. So if you are getting a volume of Dragon Ball Z, there may be five or six chapters that were originally released in this anthology, but then after enough of these chapters get released, then they decide, okay, we're going to put together a volume with some of these chapters in one book so that fans who really love Dragon Ball Z, they can just buy this collected volume so they can get all the chapters together in one book. And that's why it's very common for very popular manga titles to get 10, even up to 30 plus volumes if they're very popular because they keep producing more and more and more chapters every week or every month which again varies depending on the publisher so this is how manga is generally released in japan so that's why if you happen to be somebody who lives in japan or you happen to be fluent in japanese there are ways for you to get your hands on these anthologies and you can just read the newest chapter every week or every month what have you of whatever manga title you are reading in that magazine and it's not a bad model. It's actually a pretty smart model because it's a very convenient way to try and test out which manga titles you want to read because these magazines are actually not very expensive at all. And in fact, 
it's pretty common for these magazines to actually be printed in relatively cheaper material because very commonly people will just end up recycling these issues of the magazine and then they just buy the tankoban for whatever titles that they're interested in so that they get their own copies of specific titles that they want and not just having thousands of issues of these magazines that they're reading. So now that I explained how manga is released in Japan, I'm going to get to now the process. So most manga titles are produced by one person, the mangaka, as the term is called. And it's very common for manga titles to be created by one solo person who is both the writer and the artist. And that's assisted by the fact that manga are just black and white drawings with gray tones. So there is no need for a colorist, which just reduces the number of people involved in the comic producing process. Sometimes a mangaka, especially one who is a very established artist, may hire an assistant who will also help out with some of the background drawing and some of the gray tone work involved, but all the inking and the scripts are being written by one person. It's extremely rare for a manga to be produced by more than one person in general. One of the rare exceptions to this is actually a very famous manga collective called Clamp. And Clamp happens to be a collective of four women who work together as a team to create the manga titles that they've created over the last 35 years. Anyway, so typically a mangaka will have a meeting with their editor and they kind of work collaboratively on what is the plot for this manga series that they're working on, the progression and going for what, what's going to happen. So they have a series of meetings and they also discuss the scripts that the mangaka has written. And this is all before any new drawings are done for the upcoming chapter because that's the point of the meeting. But once they've settled on the script and the direction the story is supposed to go, then they immediately spend time working on said chapter. So the mangaka is constantly working for months and months and months on these titles. So it really is a lot of independent work for the most part. They only have their editor to work with and to bounce ideas off of. They don't have a huge team of other people to bounce ideas off with. So in a way, you can really appreciate the amount of work and dedication it takes to produce manga, which is why for me as a reader, I definitely appreciated that very much once I understood how the process actually worked. Now, this is not to say that I don't think that superhero comics and the creators behind those things aren't hardworking. They definitely are. I'm just saying is that for me personally as a reader, the biggest reason why I ended up becoming such a huge manga fan and I never really became a superhero comics fan is precisely because you have so few people involved in the creative process that there is less inconsistencies in the stories happening because one of my biggest pet peeves about DC and Marvel especially are retcons. 
Now, I totally get it. You have one writer has ideas, but then you switch writers and then a different writer will have a different idea. And it may be a really great idea, but it contradicts something somebody previously said about this character. So for me as a reader, I personally find it really annoying when creative teams do this sort of thing. It's like, well, you've made me emotionally invested in the journey for this character. And then 30 issues later, you change writing teams. And now you're throwing these new wrenches in the story that I did not anticipate. And now I just feel like, what am I emotionally investing myself in at this point? It's like really frustrating to me. Meanwhile, manga is like the opposite. You have, like I said, primarily one person who's doing the writing and the drawing. So all of their ideas for this progression, for this story, it's theirs. They spent time thinking about the direction and what was going to happen down the road when they were working on this. So you have more continuity as the story goes along. So as a reader, I completely appreciate that a lot more. So I felt way less frustration in comparison. So now, granted, I have come across times where I read a title and I did feel frustrated, but it's not because of continuity issues. It's for other reasons that I'm not going to get into here. But for the most part, I end up enjoying manga so, so much because I'm less irritated by these kind of issues. I'm not going to spend time in this episode giving you a huge long list of titles that I personally love and would recommend because there are just way too many for me to get into in this episode. Just as I mentioned in the anime episode, I may consider doing a follow-up episode about manga this time where I discuss some of the manga titles that I personally love and I would recommend. So if you are interested in that, please leave a comment and let me know you are actually interested in that and maybe I will get that out to you the next time we decide to release a solo episode. Anyway, thank you for listening and see you next time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Catch us next time. And see what we're going to talk about. Because the three fates decide.